A very good afternoon and welcome back to the Saturday Sports Show here on 102.9 CRCFM. It's time to turn our attention towards darts now and to do so I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the line by the Connacht Telegraph's Stuart Tynan and CRCFM Sports' Jack McDonald. Good afternoon and a happy new year to you gentlemen. But can I begin by asking you Stuart about Gerwin Price? He's the new world number one, the recent PDC winner but can you tell us who he is and where exactly he came from? Well, Gerwin Price's story is actually quite fascinating. I mean, seven years ago, he was playing semi-professional rugby league in Wales. And shortly after Michael Van Gerwen actually became the world number one in 2014, when he won the world title, beat Peter Wright in the final, he actually entered Q School, which is the qualifying school for any dark players who have dreams of playing in the PDC. And I think he qualified in the first or second day. And his rise since then has been meteoric. I mean, he he was he played in the World Championship, his debut made in the following year. And then a few months after that, he came one of his biggest scalps to date within 18 months, beating two-time world champion Adrian Lewis in the second round of the world match play. But since last year, the year before that, he really has gone to another level. Um, he's won major titles. He's retained major titles as well, becoming one. That, I think only one of three men to have retained the Grand Slam. He won the World Cup of Darts with uh, his Wales countryman Johnny Clayton. He's won the World Series of Darts finals, and he was coming into the World Championships a few weeks ago as maybe the best player in World Darts from 2020. Um, he didn't have the best of tournaments coming up to maybe around the semi-finals. He kind of stumbled his way through. I mean, I thought he got quite lucky against Jamie Lewis. Uh, he should have been beaten by Brendan Dolan in the last 32. In the last 16, Mervyn King didn't really, really push him. And then Daryl Gurley in the quarterfinals really could have came out of nowhere and actually taken him out. And even Price admitted that himself. He was quite got quite lucky. It was in the semi-finals where he really kicked. Um, he withstood uh, Stephen Bunting, who had a fantastic tournament in his own right, and then came up against his old foe, Gary Anderson, who many Darts fans will know there's been plenty of history with those two lads, especially from the Grand Slam a couple of years ago. And the final itself, I think from a quality standpoint, has been better. But uh, that, And Gary Anderson didn't really play to his full potential considering he's a two-time world champion himself, but take nothing away from Gordon Price. The standard of his finishing during that final time is crazy. I think there was one stat where there was 13 consecutive attempts at double top that went in on the first start, which is amazing. And then he also recorded what the highest set, set average in world championship history with 136 in that set. The third leg, he missed double 12 for a nine darter. Uh, he, he's rightly the world, he deserves to be world champion. And over the past two years, he is more than deserving to be the world number one. Jack, I think it's a good time to bring you in on this one. If I remember correctly, you played alongside Gary Anderson here in Castlebar. Did you show him everything you know? I had a few shots at uh, at Gary. I think I was double 12 to beat him. Now, to be fair, I don't think he was playing his best uh, when he came to Braithy for a charity event, but I did almost beat him. Uh, and so, you know, it's it was an interesting one. Certainly, I don't know what Stuart thinks, but I thought what Gerwin Price did was almost an embarrassment to darts. You know, I'm, I have no particular, you know, issues with uh, if you want to go a bit rowdy, but 
what he was what he was doing on the stage i don't think you know phil taylor or any of the other guys i, I think it was just it was you know uh, for context for the people that didn't see it pretty much after every big finish or at, at every point of relief for him he would shout and yell and you know obviously to g himself up but i think the effect on gary gary's more of a subdued player a normal player i think it was just a poor sportsmanship yeah, it depends what way you look at it really um first of all Ger we all know what Gerwin Price is about now the past couple of years. Um, and considering that a lot of these professionals play each other almost on a weekly basis, not just the televised tournaments, but what you see off screen, the Pro Tour in particular, players like Gary Anderson and should be used to it. And to be fair to Gary, this is not the first time he's moaned about someone indulging in, let's say, tactics. Uh, tactics have been in the game for 30, 40 years, going back to the days of the likes of Eric Bristow and John Lowe. Like being Gary Anderson would have been eaten alive in that era, considering what some of the players were up to in that even that back then. Um, and also, Darts, you know, there's no harm for Darts to have a bad boy either. I mean, whether you like him or not, you want to watch Gerwin Price. You you talk about Gerwin. Did Price. you want to see Gerwin win? I don't think anybody watching that wanted to see Gerwin win. Uh, I actually did want to see Gerwin win. It won. <laughs> it was something actually. It was different. I mean, Gary. Anderson has been getting on my nerves in interviews the past six months for the moaning and the complaining that he's doing, like complaining about playing darts when in a, in an era where in a time period where a lot of people have been put out of work, forced through COVID and, you know, things of that nature. I, I know Gerwin has complained as well, but that was more about the lack of crowds at events, which guys like him and Michael Van Gerwen in particular thrive off big, big crowds and big atmospheres. And initially he was struggling to deal with that. But although in the past couple of months, you know, he's really been able to cope with it quite well. But um, I'm happy to see Gurren Price win the world title. I think Barry Hearn in particular would be very happy to see Gurren Price win the world title because it draws it draws attention. It draws, you know, it draws it draws viewers in. And I think in a way, Gurren, uh, Barry Hearn does want Gurren Price as almost the face of the sport. You know, it's no secret. Darius has had a major image problem since probably since the birth of the World Championships the 70s and 80s, where it was all about you know, smokes, drinks, cigarettes, big bellies, things of that nature. Gurren Price is the complete antithesis of what a dark player traditionally looks like. Mm -hmm. And for the sport going forward, that, you know, if more players like him come forward, that can only be a good thing. I don't think so. For, for at least for me, Stuart, I think, uh, you know, if you try and introduce people or you say, you know, I'm a, I watch darts, I'm a fan of darts. And then, you know, you, you say, well, it's not all the beer belly drinking. It's, you know, it's, it's different at this point. You know, even Gary Anderson, while he's, you know, he's, he's certainly not Phil Taylor, you know, in terms of size, he's kind of in the middle there. He's, he's not ex exactly athletic, but he's, he's all right. You know, he cares about his image, I'd say a little bit. I think, I think Gerwin Price is exactly the tug that when you tell people you watch darts, they'd expect to be up on the hockey. He's, he's, he's a Mike Brown figure for rugby fans. He's a Mike Brown figure. He's, he's not an appealing character. And I think if Barry Hearn is pushing him, it's the wrong move. I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go that far. I think Conmouth hugs a bit far. I mean, if you said that in 2018, I think you might have had a point. I think that final with Anderson, Price went too far in what, in what he was doing. I think he's, it's strange. I think he's toned it down the last six months as well. Not as much as he used. There was times in that final where he could have maybe a year and a half ago he would have, but now he's. It's more and more controlled. I think he's becoming a more and more. 
complete dart player, maybe more in control of his emotions, knowing when to release, knowing when to maybe stop. And I think over the next couple of years, he may become even more subdued in that regard because he become a more seasoned professional. When you still think about it, at the end of the day, he's already been professional a couple of, couple of years. He hasn't been professional for 20 or 30 years. So it's this could be the dawning of a new price in that regard. Um, I wouldn't, again, as I said, calling the thug is a bit extreme, although maybe a year and a half ago, that might have had some merit. But uh, you're seeing a different go in price. And I think we uh, c- could be potentially in a, another golden era about to begin with him. And the, ba- the battle between him and Michael Van Gogh in particular is going to be fascinating viewing over the next 18 months. Just on Michael Van Gerwen, Stuart, he was seen as the poster boy prior to the tournament, was of course the world number one then too. How do you think he will react to being dethroned? I think it will motivate him even further. I mean, this is the first time in seven years Michael Van Gerwen's not been world number one. If that doesn't rankle at him though, then, then something's wrong. Um, we've seen, I think the only real example you can use for Michael Van Gerwen is Phil Taylor. When he lost his number one ranking to maybe the likes of a Colin Lloyd or Raymond Van Barneveld in the past, he roared back. Uh, when he lost World Championships, he roared back. Michael McGurin has not been in this position for a long, long time. He's lost major finals. He's lost world finals. But he hasn't lost his world number one ranking. Which, And even Gurren Price made an interesting point that maybe becoming the world number one is more difficult than being world champion. For the world championship, you need to be good to great for a couple of weeks. To be world number one, you need to be great for at least two years due to the order of merit. I think... But how many darts can you really throw would be my thing. You know, um, is, is it possible, you know, Phil Taylor was frankly a freak of nature. You know, is it possible that MVG has got kind of bored at this point? I mean, he's been at the top for so long. We even see it, to keep bringing him up, we even see it with Gary as soon as he got a, a wife and a son, he eased off. And, you know, that's perhaps why you've seen the interview moments recently. So it's very possible with MVG that he's just backing off a little bit. You know, throwing darts with a load of men every night in a pub probably gets a little boring. Well, it depends what, who the, what pub you're in and what crowd you're with. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's a fair point. I mean, Michael has talked in interviews in the in recent years. I mean, he, he doesn't see himself having the longevity that Phil Taylor will, yes. And no doubt, Phil Taylor is a once-in-a-lifetime freak of nature. You will never see the likes of him again. I mean, Michael's talked about, in the past, retiring at the age of 40, which is less than 10 years away. Um, whether that changes now, I, I, you know, who knows? Over the next 18 months, it's going to be very fascinating to see in terms of how Van Gerwen reacts to losing his number one rank. And there's actually a tournament in a couple of weeks' time, the Masters, which is the world's top 24 play. Now, it's not for ranking money or anything like that, but there's pride at stake. Obviously, you know, likes of Gerwen Price will want to put a stamp on things very quickly. Like, like last year when Peter Wright won the World Championship, he went on to win the Masters as well. Um, that'll, t- that'll be telling over the next 12 to 18 months where Van Gerwen's head is in terms of how much more he wants to achieve. It's, you know, we've seen what's happened to Adrian Lewis since he won his world championships. He's almost disappeared off the face of the earth. And, you know, first, second round knockouts have become almost the norm for him, which is amazing considering his, he's one of the most naturally gifted dart players in the history of the game. Where Van Gerwen goes now in the next 12, 18 months is going to be Fascinating to watch. Is there the potential for somebody totally new to emerge in these next few weeks and months ahead? Is it even possible for any of the young Irish contenders to stake a claim? It's hard to say because 
the strength and depth in darts at the minute is maybe unlike anything we've ever seen. Maybe the top 10 standard isn't what it was maybe six, seven years ago when you had Taylor and Van Gerwen, Gary Anderson, Adrian Lewis, James Wade, all playing near the peak of their game. But um, I'd say in the next couple of years, I'm waiting for Michael Smith to, to kick on. There's no excuse. With his ability, there's no excuse. Um, does Adrian Lewis make a comeback? Stephen Bunting had a great world championship. He's, he's had, he had a rotten couple of years, need to consider quitting the game. But uh, it's great to see him coming back. Uh, here in Ireland, you well, you've got the likes of Keen Barry at 18 years, 18 years of age. I think he's going to be a sensation. Daryl Gurney had a great tournament now uh, after coming off the back of a rotten year. Will the likes of will the likes of him now kick on again? And you can't forget some of the older lads as well, like of Gary Anderson and your Brendan Dolans. You know, Anderson's been very adamant that for all the talk about the young lads, the older lads still have plenty to give. And you know, Peter Wright winning his first world title near nearly the age of fifty. Christopher Tyski making a comeback. What be it fascinating to see is Raymond Van Barneveld's coming back for Q School. What where's his mindset going to be? I mean. I, I can't see much change in the next maybe year or so, or maybe going down the line. There could be a potential for one or two new stars on the horizon. Jack, I'd just like to get your thoughts on the personalities that comes with the players. There may be a bias towards Gary Anderson, stemming from your bout and Brafy house, but what is it about the characters within the game that darts fans are attracted towards? Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, you know, Stuart touched on it before, but Barry Hearn is pretty much instrumental in all of them from snooker and darts. It's the whole empire that was matchroom to, you know, to take all these kind of relatively boring pub sports and to build characters around them. And since then, they've done that themselves. I did notice perhaps a less, and I don't know what Stuart thinks, I didn't see as much of the branding, you know, even the flying Scotsman to bring it to Gary. But, you know, throughout, I thought, I thought the branding was less and less. I didn't perhaps see the, uh, the graphics. Even an interesting point, I thought John McDonald, the announcer at the start, seemed a little lethargic to actually introduce it. So perhaps it's becoming a little bit more technical and less actually about the image. Do you think this Barry Hearn era has changed the face of darts as well, Stuart? If so, where do you think it could go next? What Barry Hearn has done for darts has been absolutely incredible. Before he came in, darts was split literally down the middle, um, following a massive split in the game between BDO and the PDC. Um, and the PDC very struggled, uh, struggled in its early years, maybe in terms of publicity and things like that. But when Barry Hearn came in, within a couple of years, Players were going in from playing in front of a couple of hundred people to playing in front of thousands of people at arenas all across the world. And what he's done himself, coupled with Sky Sports and now ITV4 as well. I think it's behind fo- football now. I think it's the second most watched sport in the UK, which is absolutely extraordinary when you think about it. And I do want to touch on what Jack was saying. I think that was more to do maybe with the lack of crowds that he didn't read. John McDonald didn't really need to maybe accentuate the players in terms of anything like that I mean he's John McDonald's very animated I've been like to Premier League events in Dublin over the past number of years and he's very you know, excited in terms of you know announcements and things like that but uh, the sport's going to go from strength to strength over the next few years the money is going to increase more than ever especially when crowds return uh, what Barry Hearn has done for the game of darts and snooker as well is extraordinary and I think he received a, a 
birthday honours from the Queen over I think over a couple of weeks ago, and he mo- he more definitely deserves it for what his first contributions to sport. It all looks so easy and obvious now with the modern Sky Sports version of darts, so different from the smoky working men's clubs where you couldn't have young people involved in the sport. You mentioned the new generation of players who are getting into it now and it is currently having the questions where it is one of the few sports that could be performed in a socially distant manner through things like live streaming. It's one of the sports that's actually thrived in the pandemic. Um, trying to find darting equipment. I remember when I when we first went into lockdown, I was trying to find maybe some extra bits for my own dart setup and I couldn't find anything. It was amazing. Because um, what you can do is there's you can set up play play anyone in the world. All you need is maybe one two screens and an internet connection, and you're able to play against anyone you want. And you could play you could play some random random individual across the country. You could end up playing a semi professional or a professional. That's what was happening. Um, Barry Hearn a few years ago had a dream his ultimate dream for darts was to become working man's golf and uh i think it's becoming that already even the amount of nationalities who are represented at the world championships 15 years ago you might get a rare one but most most of them would have been english because darts was predominantly an english game it is now a worldwide game and uh that can only be a good thing as well for the sport Kevin, though, I'd have my fears. You know, we've seen it with the Premier League when new money came in and even the younger fan bases came in. And when it became essentially gentrified, when we got away from the football hooliganism, there was a sense there was a sense of community. You know, even your Gerrards, there's a sense lost within the sport. And to me, at least, sports need a little bit of hooliganism. And if we don't have the smoky pub rooms, then, you know, are we really stepping away from what made darts darts in the same way that what made football football is now gone? Is that exactly the fear of many darts fans, Stuart, that post-pandemic, the raucous atmospheres, the festivals at the matches, they could be totally gone or even minimised into a more sanitised event? I think it's, it's a possibility earlier on. I mean... One big fear I know I had over the last couple of years was the lack of personalities emerging in the game. And my fear was there's going to be, you know, your top 64 would be a bunch of robots. And that was, again, everything that darts stood for, especially in the 80s where you had personalities galore, your Eric Bristow's, Cliff Lazarenko, Jockey Wilson, all these all these people coming through. And, you know, you do, there were, there are, still a few personalities in the game but I think it's becoming few and far between uh, I hope fan from the from a fan standpoint I think in the early stages when we come out of this pandemic fingers crossed whenever we do I mean we did see a few events in Europe which had sm- much smaller crowds and it was a much more subdued atmosphere because with a smaller crowd you can actually hear in a strange way if you speak to t- the top players when there's thousands of people in the the arena they don't actually hear it that much because it just becomes one huge din and they take no notice of it with a smaller crowd all it takes is one or two people coughing or shout and a, and a roar and, and you hear it very easily so it, i think in the early stages it could lead to a more subdued atmosphere hopefully that will actually come out over the next couple of years when they, we do return to some degree of normalcy but um i would be concerned initially about crowds because they they do make the event as well you don't want to be playing in front of a thousand people who are staying deadly silent. I mean, 
one of the appeals of going to these events is the crowd itself. They've, yeah, they've seeing there, three ca- just, three fellas dressed up as a camel is part of the experience. <laughs> or watching a Superman fight a Scooby Doo. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, it's 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 become it is part of the appeal. I mean, you, and you get people coming to these events, and you don't even you never knew they were actually darts fans. They're not in a way they're not darts fans. They're actually going to the darts for for the crowd and to have have a good time. And I hope we I hope the PGC doesn't lose that. Um, I don't think Barry Hearn is uh, stupid enough to get rid of it as well because that is a massive part of why people go is the crowd. Um, I really hope that that's not lost or what's over the next few months. Finally, Stuart, before we wrap up, just on the local Darts League here in Mayo and Castle Bar, it has been a difficult time for public houses across the country. But have you explored the possibility of alternatively hosting the event online? I think I know we've I've I've seen several towns do and even counties do maybe one one against one which or maybe even pairs events which can happen, but in terms of a town league event, I mean I'll give an example of the Castlebar Town League is you know there's eight players on a team and there have to be three games of doubles and six games of singles. I don't know how you have that set up with. I mean, does everyone go to someone's house? Do you go to a pub? I mean, I think that's very complicated. I think that's very tricky to pull off. And then you also require maybe all the players to be able to have access to these monitors. Some players may not even want to play through a stream or anything like that. In terms of the town league here, I think until the vaccine and things like that are rolled out, there's not going to be any local darts in pubs anytime soon. And And it is sad, to be fair quite the disappointment indeed but hopefully one that will come with a solution well into 2021 Stuart Tynan of the Connacht Telegraph and CRCFM sport contributor Jack McDonald thanks a million for joining us and have a great weekend thanks thank you mate